Welcome back to the Gathering Place of All Nations. This Sunday morning, Pastor John Irving talked about persistence and the significance of seven. Let's jump in. I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 18, and we're going to be talking about Elijah, and we're going to read through the story, but my main emphasis is not going to be on the fire. It's going to be on what happens after the fire, and, uh, and then we're going to be looking, and, and I want to develop a bit of a framework uh, from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, just, uh, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. All right. I'm, I'm getting a message. I am what? I can't read that. I am. Okay, I'm getting a message. All right? From my wife. <laughs> Guys, do you know what that's like? All right. And it's for me personally. But I couldn't read it. All right? And I don't know if I'm going to be able to change it. Well, we'll see. Anyway, <laughs> glory to God. I will hear about it for the next 20 hours driving. <laughs> Woo. Anyway, we want to. I want to go in and I want to show you some things that I find. Very fascinating, and you may be able to apply it today in your life, but when you're reading the Bible, I believe it'll give you another insight, another dimension into the totality of who God is and, and his plan, his purpose, because there's something that happened in the first chapter, and there's something that happened in the last book that ties it all together, ties everything all together, and, and we'll, we're going to look at that in a, in a few minutes. So let's turn to First uh, Kings chapter 18. Let's just start for a few minutes over in chapter 17, first couple of verses, then we'll move over to 18, and uh, we'll read the entire chapter. We're talking about Elisha, Elijah, Elijah, you got to get these Elijahs and Elishas, all right? How, how do you remember which one's first? Well, J comes before S, so Elijah, I, I play mental tricks like that, okay? To try to, try to help me memorize and me remember things. Uh, now, Elijah, the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, to give some context, by this time, most of you are aware that Israel and Judah were a uh, uh, northern and southern kingdom. Under the kings Saul, David, and Solomon, they're one united kingdom. But after Solomon, 
there was a division and 10 tribes broke off and they called the northern kingdom. Sometimes they called Ephraim the largest tribe. And then in the south, it was Judah, two tribes, Benjamin and Judah. And so we're here and Ahab was the ungodly leader. Ahab, anybody heard of the, the lady named Jezebel? Ahab and Jezebel, she has kind of a reputation. Um, so they're the leaders, and we have Elijah uh, giving this prophetic word against the northern kingdom. There's 19 kings in the north, and there's 19 kings in the south. The kings in the south lived a little bit longer, that, and it's... Uh, the northern kingdom fell in 722 B.C., and the southern kingdom, Judah, fell in 586. That was the destruction of the temple by the Babylonians. But there were still only 19 kings. There was no righteous kings in the north. In the south, there were eight righteous kings only out of 19. And so if, you, if you're trying to think, okay, was this a righteous king? If it's in the north, it wasn't a righteous king. You don't have to look any further. Just a little bit of... Hebrew history here. So he, he stands up and he says, there will be no rain except at my word. Fast forward three years. There's a, the God took care of him by the ravens and by the, uh, by the widow and such. So God takes care of Elijah. Verse 1 now, chapter 18. Now it came about after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, third year what? Third year of not having any rain. Saying, now, you got to realize something, that the north was worshiping Baal. And what was Baal? Baal was a rain god. And so this is a contest between uh, who is the real god? Baal, the rain god, or God, Jehovah, all right? Yahweh, who is the real god? And so they, gave th they, they got everybody's attention for three years through some hardships. Sounds like a three-year pandemic we've just come through. All right. Now, it came about after these many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. Now, if you understand what's going on, Ahab's been searching for... Uh, Elijah for three years, wanting to kill him for this word. And now God is saying, go present yourself to Ahab. Uh, yikes. Okay. So, what does they, so Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. Why? Because there was no rain. Uh, verse 3, and Ahab called Obadiah who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And this is not the Obadiah we just finished studying about. Some people think it could be the prophet o o Obadiah that we just, this little small book in uh, one chapter only in the Minor Prophets. There are 11 Obadiahs in the Bible. And we're not sure that any one of them is the Obadiah that wrote the book, but I just thought I'd explain that because somebody might say, Obadiah, oh, that's the guy. It could be. It's around that same time. Obadiah is the first prophet, minor prophet. He was before Isaiah. Uh, he was around the time of Elijah and Elisha. So in a sense, it could be that person, but most scholars don't believe it was. 
verse um, uh, 4. For it came about when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets, hid them uh, by fifties in a cave, and provided them with bread and water. Righteous man. Then Ahab said to Obadiah, Go throughout the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we'll find grass to keep the horses and the mules alive and not have to kill some of the cattle because there's no water, therefore no food. So they divided the land between them and to survey it. Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went another way by himself. Verse 7, now as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elisha, met him and he recognized him and fell on his face and said, is this you, Elijah, my master? And he said to him, it is. I say, go tell, say to your master, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, what sin have I committed that you are giving your servant into the hand of Ahab to put me to death? What? Okay, let's read on. Verse 10. As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent to search for you. And when they say he's not here, he made the kingdoms of that nation swear that they could not find you. And now you're saying, go say to your master, behold, Elijah is here. So, so Obadiah is scared to go and tell Ahab, the king. Verse 12, and it came about when I leave you that the spirit of the Lord will carry you uh, where I do not know. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Isn't it awesome that there are people, no matter what land, no matter how, how much of a famine in the, in the land, we're going to discover that in the book of Amos coming up, there's a famine in the land of the word of God. No matter what famine, no matter what things are looking like, there are God's people everywhere. God's people are still in existence. No matter how dark it gets, God still has his people, his remnant. Uh, and now you're saying, go, verse 14, to your master. Behold, Elijah is here, then he will kill me. And Elijah said to him, as the Lord of hosts lives before you, whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Abraham. Ahab went to meet uh, Elijah, and it came about when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? <laughs> and you, we haven't had rain for three years because of you. Uh, and he said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed the Baals, the rain gods. Uh, rain is very, very important in Israel. Just uh, We've been there several times when it rained, uh, usually in the rainy season, but sometimes outside the rainy season. Whenever it rains, uh, they consider it a blessing. So over here, if you have a wedding and it rains, and I've been to some of them, officiated some days that it was raining, and then they had to bring it inside rather than have an outdoor wedding, and it's like, oh boy, you know. Uh, over there, if it rains... The bride and the groom feel that this is a blessing of God, that it rained on their wedding day. God sent rain 
our marriage is going to be blessed. Over here, it rains. Our marriage is going to be ruined. Over there, it's going to be blessed. All right? It's a whole different perspective. And so, um, uh, verse uh, 19. Now send and gather to me all Israel, Mount Carmel, that's up in the north. Uh, that's close to where the plains of Armageddon are going to be. Uh, and send and gather to me all Israel in the mountain of Carmel together with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Ashtern. Baal is a male god. Uh, Ashtern is a female god. All right. Who eat at Jezebel's table. These are uh, Jezebel's prophets. Verse 20, so Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long? This, there's three, three responses. I want you to look at the response of these three people. All right? And I can't believe the time. Right, it's getting away on me here. Uh, and Elijah came near and how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Have you ever talked to somebody about God and they're not interested? You know, they're just not interested. They don't want to talk about God. They don't want to talk about spiritual things. They're not interested. They, they, they won't happen. That's kind of like our, our day today. Then Elijah, verse 22, said to the people, take to the people, I alone am left of the prophets of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450. Now, let them give us two oxen, and let them choose one oxen uh, for them, and cut it up, and place it on a wood, put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other ox, and lay it on the wood, and I will not put a fire under it. Verse 24, then you call upon the name of your God, or God's, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. Amen. So we get a little contest, and the people respond. And the people said, good idea. Not real, wow, that's a great idea, but yeah, okay. That's a, that's a, okay, that's a good idea. Verse 25, so Elijah said to the, choose you for yourself, and he does. They took the ox, they prepared it. Then they began, in verse 26, calling on the name of Baal from morning till noon. All right, oh, Baal, answer us. But there is no voice, no answer, no one answered. They leapt around the altar, which they made at noon. Uh, Elijah began mocking them after three hours, nothing. Uh, Call out with a loud voice, uh, for he is God, isn't he? Uh, uh, either he's occupied, maybe he's gone aside, maybe he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep. Maybe your God's sleeping. Isn't that, isn't that our God doesn't, never sleeps or slumbers? Come on. Uh, and he needs to be awakened. And so they cried out with a loud voice and cut themselves. Do you know we have that problem with cutting right now? It's been going on for 20 years. It's really, really gotten bad. People cutting themselves. It, it, uh, uh, to their, but so this is an old thing. As there was their custom with swords and lances, and blood was gushing out upon them, and they came about at midday 
was passed that they raved. How about that word rave? Rave have been going on for about 20 years. I don't know if they still call them raves or whatnot, but that was back. They'd have raves and parties, and they cut themselves and whatnot. Uh, until the time of the evening sacrifice had come, that would be 3 p.m., but there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. So Baal God fell, failed. Uh, and then Elijah said to all the people, come near, near to me, come, come, come. And uh, he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. And Elijah took up the 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, uh, to whom the word of the Lord had said, Israel shall be your name. And so with the stones, uh, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. And then he arranged the wood, cut up an, the ox and pieces, laid it on the wood, and he said, fill up four pitchers uh, with water. These are like barrels of water. All right, and pour it on the burnt offering on the wood. That, 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 they didn't do that with the other one. They didn't have the water challenge, all right? You know, that, that water challenge came a, a few years ago or whatever it was, you know, all right? And, uh, and then he said, do it a second time. They did it a second time. They said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time after, and after the water flowed around the altar and also filled up the trench. There's absolutely no way. Uh, have you ever been camping? I've, I've been camping sometimes, uh, uh, roughing it in the camp and trying to get some wood. And after it rained and trying to get wet, wet wood to burn is almost impossible. The only way you get wet wood to burn if you got a little gasoline. <laughs> All right? And you kind of cheat a little bit. Uh, and so um, it's impossible for this to, to, to light on fire. Verse 36, and it came about at the time of the offering. Of the evening sacrifice, we're about three o'clock here, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that thou art God in Israel and that I am the servant and that I have done these things at your word. God is ready to answer us simple prayers. There's a lot of people that are going out in the streets now and they're praying, God, show up. And show these people, all right, when, uh, when um, um, forgot her name again, in uh, uh, South Africa, the missionary, Heidi Baker. When Heidi Baker goes out for the last 20 or more years, how she births churches, she, she and her team go into a village they've never been in. They go to the heart of the, 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 the village or whatever, and they say, bring those people that are sick, that are blind, that are lame, that are, are deaf, and they bring them into the town, and uh, uh, she says, if my God heals these people, will you serve my God? That's how she, that's, that's her church planting strategy, all right? And they said, yes. She prays. They, they get their hearing. They get their sight. They're able to walk. Boom, a church is planted, all right? She raises up a team, leaves the team behind to train them up for a little bit, and another church is planted, and she goes on to the next place. All right? In these end times, we can, there are people that are going out in the streets, and they're saying, listen, if my God heals you, will you all accept Jesus? Yes. Healing. Boom. 
people are added to the kingdom. And so here we go. This is a backslidden nation. Then the fire, verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt wood offering and the wood. Listen to this. I've had many a campfire. I've never seen the stone burn. But it says here, the stones and the dust burnt, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. This is, this is like they're saying it. The Lord's God. The Lord, he's God. Lord, the, the, the Lord, he's God. The Lord, he, the Lord is God. He is God. We've seen it with our own eyes. He is the Lord. All of a sudden, they know. Wow. Then Elijah said to them, uh, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let them go or escape. So they seized them. Uh, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishron and slew them there. Now Elijah said to Ahab, now listen, this is where we get into today's message. Today's message is about to begin. This was just all, all context. All right? Now Elijah said to Ahab, go up. Eat and drink, for there is a sound of the roar of a heavy shower. Remember verse 1 of 18, uh, go tell Ahab it's going to rain. Three years, it hasn't rained. No clouds in the sky, we're going to hear, but it's going to rain. What, what, a, what a prophetic word. And so Ahab went up to eat and drink. I, I'm sure Ahab must be a little bit amazed. And, and, and I, I don't have time, but Ahab, some people believe Ahab gave his heart to the Lord at the end of his life. There's some scriptures and there's some support of that. And it would likely be because of this miracle at, at uh, Mount Carmel. I'm telling you that our leaders, even hard-nosed leaders, can turn their life over to Jesus. That's why we need to continue to pray for Mr. Trudeau. Amen? And we'll leave it at that. And so Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of the top of Carmel, up to the mountain, and he crouched down. He got into intercession on the earth, and he put his face between his knees. He is in deep intercession. Folks, right now, one of the reasons for this message is we need to get into deep intercession. We really need to be praying this year more than any other year. Three years have passed, the pandemic has passed, but now it's time for the intercession. Now it's time for the harvest. Now it's a time for people's eyes to be opened up and see God answering by fire, God coming through for people. Amen? Now this verse is very, very, very significant for a message here. Verse 43, And he said to his servants, Go up now, look towards the sea, he went up and he looked. There is nothing. He said, go back seven times. I'll come back to that in a minute. Verse 44, and he came about on the, uh, at the seventh time. He said, behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. Now, when you're on top of Mount Carmel, I've been there. If it's a clear day, and it was a clear day because it hadn't rained in three years, at the top of this, you can look at the sea. Now, we're not talking about the Dead Sea. That's to the east and, and to the south. We're talking about the Mediterranean Sea. All right? You can see the sea. And there's a man that, coming up from the sea, coming up over the mountains, 
there is a cloud the size of a man. In other words, a really small cloud off in the distance. Now, if you're planning to go golfing one day, and, and, and uh, who's a golfer in the room? Rod, all right? If you're going to go golfing one day, and you see a little wee cloud just off in the distance, but it's really sunny other than that, would that trouble you to go golfing? No, you wouldn't think that this is going to be a real heavy day of, of rain. But listen to, to his response here. Um, behold, the cloud is uh, as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy rain shower does not stop you. Now, Ahab obeyed him. Ahab was coming to get him. But after seeing the fire come down, he was listening to this man. He said, no rain, and it didn't rain. Then he called down fire, and it came. Now he says, it's going to rain. I, I'm, going, I'm, going to, I'm going to take his word. I'm going, to, I'm going to get out of Dodge. All right? So it came about in a little while that the sky grew black with clouds and the wind, and there was a heavy shower, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. 46, this is an amazing verse. And then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded him up, and he outran Ahab to Jezreel. He outran. He's probably the fastest runner ever on the planet, all right? He prob he's probably going at the speed that, uh, that uh, Tim does on his, uh, on his bike, you know, when he's in bike riding. Maybe even faster. Who knows? Can you He outran a chariot. Now, maybe because the chariot was getting stuck in the mud. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I want to go back to verse 43. I want to look at one thing, and then we're going to go to Genesis, and we're going to finish at Revelation, and we will do that all within two hours. And, it, and he said to his servant, go up now and look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing and he said, go back seven times. I want to talk to you about seven, seven times. It's a cycle that is found in throughout the book of the Bible. It's found in creation. It's found in Revelation. I have all kinds of illustrations of which I'm only going to get to some of them. But what is the significance, the biblical significance of the number seven? And some of you are going to put it together right away as I speak. Some of you, it's going to kind of sit on the back burner, and one day a light bulb's going to come on and says, wow, wow, especially when we get in studying Revelation in the fall. All right? So the, we have the, the first week of creation. Now, now I'm going to give, let the cat out of the bag right at the beginning here, but then we're going to develop this. The first week, the first chapter we see creation and the number seven playing a prominent role. And then we have the book of Revelation and the number seven, uh, the, the 70th week, Daniel's 70th week, the last weeks uh, playing out. And so everything from Genesis through Revelation has to do with the number seven. Well, what does seven mean? Seven means that something that is finished, it means completeness. And so when God created the world, he created the world in six days, and he rested on the seventh. 
he called it a Sabbath. And from that day on, Saturday is the Sabbath. Uh, Sunday is the first day of the week. It is not the Christian Sabbath. It is the first day of the week. The Sabbath is Saturdays. And he had some observations about that day. Uh, he set it apart for Israel. Uh, and it was a holy day, a day of rest. In Deuteronomy 5.12, you can get that information. Um, and so we have this idea of something that's complete and divine perfection. And so I'm not there. I'm going to get there. But some, if number seven is the number of completeness. So when he finished creation, it was finished. He didn't continue creating after that. He spoke the world into being. There were still things happening in the universe. It's expanding uh, from when he spoke, all right? I, I believe in the Big Bang Theory, all right? Um, God spoke, and bang, it happened, all right? So I, I, I'm a firm believer of the Big Bang Theory, all right? And, uh, and it's still expanding, and there's still new earths, and there's still new uh, solar systems and universes and everything, being, being created, but it, it's from what had happened already uh, back from the day one. And then when you go to Revelation, we have that end time scenario, and we're going to get to that. Let's, let's look at some of the interesting things about the number seven in the Bible. All right? So uh, man is created on the sixth day of creation, and so most people feel that the number of man is six. We fall short of God, number seven. In fact, in Revelation, you will hear man's number is, you say it louder, 666, the fullness of man, the fullness of God is 777, all right? It's the number of the beast. It's, the, uh, it's where we're going to see um, six always falls short of seven. Just uh, the Bible says in Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Man is not God, he's just a six. In other words, we're a great creation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's very interesting. You know, most numbers and most uh, words can have a dual meaning, have something good. There's nothing good about the number six. All right? Um, so, uh, we have a number of things about seven. We're just going to go through them very quickly. Uh, and then we're going to go back to this chapter and read that verse again about the cloud and you're going to see something happen and so we have uh, for Noah we have seven pairs of clean animals coming up on the ark isn't that something uh, in the tabernacle there are seven stems on the lampstand on the golden uh, lampstand uh, set which represent and we have seven qualities of the Messiah or seven signs in John's gospel, seven miracles that he centers his entire gospel around seven signs. And if we had time, I would talk to those people that studied the, the, uh, the gospel of John with me to tell me what those seven signs were. I'm not sure if anybody would remember them all or not. Uh, in uh, Proverbs, it says, God hates how many things? There's seven things, six things I abhor and seven things I hate. All right, a lying tongue and a haughty attitude, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, in Matthew 13, there are seven parables. 
Um, in Matthew 23, there are seven woes. We can also have multitude, multiples of seven. Uh, the 70th week of Daniel. Now, a week is a period of seven. We normally think, and the most common use of week is seven days. But you can also have a week of years, which is Daniel. So when Daniel says 70 weeks, he's not talking about 70 weeks of, of days. He's talking about 70 weeks of years. And you can multiply that out, 490, and, and, and Daniel's revelation in, in 924 uh, speaks about this. And that's why they were looking for a Messiah. They knew about Daniel. They did the calculation, 490 years. Well, that should be right around this time. And that's why they were all engaged in looking for a Messiah. Uh, and the Messiah did come, but then he got cut off, and the, the clock stopped. Somebody put a pause on the clock for the church age 2,000 years, but God is about to press the button again that final 70th week. And that's the seven weeks, or rather the 70th week, seven years of the tribulation. You see how that ties in from Genesis 1 right through to the end? Isn't that something? All right. Um, and then we have the year of Jubilee, which is seven times seven. All right? Uh, and that's the time when, when, uh, when all land and all slaves are made free. So seven, in the same way that we use the number 10 as our base in our, in, in our type of accounting and our type of system, God uses the number seven. It's just a different way of looking at it. I'm not saying we should go to that system. But when we're studying biblical prophecy, and, and the, oh, I'm, I'm almost getting ahead of myself. Let, let me not do that. All right, in the Lord's Prayer, there are seven petitions. I don't have time to read them all. You can go look at them yourself. You know most of you have this memorized. There's seven petitions in the Lord's Prayer. All right? Um, there are seven metaphors Jesus uses to describe himself. Seven I am's. I am the bread of life, he said. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the door, or some versions, gate. Uh, I am the good shepherd. She said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then finally in chapter 15 of John, I am the, very good, vine. Look at that, Andrew got it. Glory to God. That's all this year studying in, in the Middle East. Glory to God. All right. Uh, King David uh, re referenced the number seven to describe God's perfect nature uh, about God's word. It says here in Psalms 12, 6, the words of the Lord are pure words like silver refined in a furnace on the ground purified Seven times. In the Bible, uh, oaths and promises. These are this one's very very interesting. Uh, it says that the Hebrew word for swearing an oath is saba, and in Hebrew, uh, the word for seven is sheba. So they have a common uh, Semitic uh, language uh, meaning. In fact, the word swear, I swear. All right, actually 
is drawn from that old Semitic, uh, Semitic uh, word for, for uh, giving an oath. You don't have to say, I'm swearing an oath. I swear what you're saying, I'm making an oath. All right? And, um, and so the word swear itself has roots in uh, the same idea. And the word, uh, 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 let me, I, I didn't get the word, um, uh, Sheba is actually the word seven. And so we get this whole idea of making an oath, all right? Even, even, even when God made a covenant to his people after the flood, what does he put as a promise in the sky? A rainbow. How many colors are in the rainbow? Seven. Now, a few years ago, it, it came to my attention that there's another rainbow that people are using. Uh, how many colors are in that rainbow? Six, the number of man. Now, isn't that something? The rainbow that these other folks use for twisted purposes, uh, they're using man's number. They're using man's wisdom. It's six. And if you want to know, you can go to our street corner and you can count them right on our, on our tarmac at the, at the corner of Wellington. And you can count. There's only six colors there. Not seven. God made seven. All right. Um, so Abraham swore an oath of ownership. I, I love this. I love the place called Beersheba. I've been there only once. Uh, it took me three or four trips to Israel. I said, I want to go to Beersheba because... I love the story of Abraham going to Beersheba, and he dug a well there. And the story, I, we don't, don't have time to go into it right now, uh, but he dug this well of water, and then he gave seven lambs as payment for this well. And so he called it Beersheba. Sheba meaning seven, Ber meaning well, and so it means Beersheba, where he settled is the well of seven. I don't know, maybe I'm losing some people, but I am fascinated by this, all right? Look at Joshua and Jericho. How many times were they supposed to go around Jericho? Wouldn't, isn't that amazing? Are you seeing a pattern here? You see God has a pattern? All right, seven times. And then on the last day, what did they have to do? Well, before they shouted, what'd they do? They walked around it seven, so they walked around it seven times, but on the last day, they walked around it seven times as well, and then they blew the trumpet, and that, lo and behold, that wall came down. Jesus made how many statements from the cross? Seven. I think I have enough time to read them. All right. Uh, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The second, and he said to them, truly, I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. Then Jesus says, woman, behold your son. Then he said to his son, behold your mother. Number four, Eli, Eli, lama sabahithian. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The fifth statement that he said, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, he said to them to fulfill scripture, I thirst. Six, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last seven statements right on the cross. Wow. Seven is used uh, in healing, exoneration, healing, all right? Um, on the seventh year, Israel's were commanded to cancel all debts. So they would base it. So if you went in, if, if there was such a thing as a bank in those days, or you would go and you would borrow based on how many years left to the, uh, the sabbatical year. Because let's say I want to take out $10,000 and I go to Tom and I want to take out $10,000 and we're in the fifth year. Well, uh, uh, Tom might be a little bit apprehensive because he's only got two years, a year and a half to get his money back, and then he's got to forgive, all right? So people would make their loans sometimes uh, if they gave loans uh, early. And, but can you imagine? Can you imagine if all debt, if we lived by that right now, that every seventh year, guess what? All your debt is, 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 is oh, you owe 40000 on your house? It's gone. Oh, you owe uh, 20000 on your car? It's gone. Can you imagine what kind of world we'd be in? I mean, if, if we lived by the Ten Commandments and nobody lied and nobody cheated and nobody slept around and, and nobody took the name of the Lord in vain, what a world. Talk about paradise. How about this? Uh, the uh, Assyrian commander, Naaman. All right, he had leprosy. And uh, he was told there's nothing they can do for him his doctors. And then he had a servant girl, a slave that was a Jewish uh, girl. And, and what does she say? There's a prophet. Go to the prophet. He can heal you. I, I, so, so we can be someone insignificant. You can be the, 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 uh, the busboy in your restaurant, and you can still talk to the manager or someone that comes into the, you know, even the prime minister could come in, and you can have a word with them and speak to them, all right? And, um, and so she says, uh, there's, there's a man that can, that can speak a word of healing for you. And so he came, so it's found in 2 Kings chapter 5. So Nathan, Nathan came with his horses, chariots, and stood at the door of Elijah's, Elisha, not Elijah, Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a message to him. He didn't even go out to him. This infuriated, if you read the whole story, Nahum's infuriated that this prophet wouldn't even come out to see him. He sent a servant and uh, to say, saying to him, go wash in the Jordan uh, seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you will be clean. And he goes into, what, in Assyria we got mightier rivers than the Jordan, why not go there? And, 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 and the person said, well, you know, he, he said, well, what's it, what, it's not too hard. You know, I've been, I've, I've been baptized many times in the Jordan River. All right, I don't think it's seven times yet. Glory to God. All right, and so he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. Talk about healing. And according to the word of the man of God, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. He was clean. Wow. How about this? And I am running out of time now, but I got to get this one in. How many miracles... Did Jesus do on the Sabbath? 
I, I think there's a good guess here. Se there are seven miracles that he did. He, he used to goat the religious people by doing miracles on the Sabbath because they're saying you're not supposed to do it. So what does he do? He heals a man with a deformed hand. Secondly, on the Sabbath, a man possessed by an unclean spirit. Uh, Peter's mother-in-law. How about that? Guys that have mother-in-laws, make sure you heal your, your mother on Sundays or whatever. Uh, fourth, a woman with a disabling spirit. Uh, if I had time, I'd read about them all. Uh, the fifth one was a man with dropsy. One Sabbath when he went to dine at the ruler of the Pharisees. And, uh, and he healed this, 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 uh, this man. Stretch out your hand. And they wrestled with it. Verse uh, the sixth one, an invalid man by the pool of Bethsaida. It was the Sabbath day. And then the last one was a man born from birth. All right. And who, which man sinned? That was, he did more miracles, but he did seven on the Sabbath. Isn't that something? Now, in the book of Revelation, well, we'll finish with that, and then we'll go back to this first. And we're almost done. Someone say amen. All right. The book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. And number seven, if, if you've, if you don't know that number seven is very prominent in the book of Revelations, you haven't read the book of Revelations, <laughs> all right? So, um, again, book of Revelations is the seventh week of Daniel's 70 weeks. Uh, and not the seventh week, it's the last week, the last seven years. And when it starts, we're going to have, there's seven letters written to seven churches uh, with seven spirits uh, before God's throne, with seven golden lampstands, seven stars in Christ's right hand. All right, we have the seven seal judgments, and then there's seven angels with seven judgments, and then there's seven bowl judgments. It is a book of seven. It's a book of completeness. And we are, what, what's significant for us is we are, about to live, we, we can't go back to the beginning, to Adam and Eve. We can go back and read about it. We can study it. We can look through the life of Jesus and all. And, and, and let me just say that I've only just scratched the surface of number seven, all right? There, we sevenfold, all right? Uh, seven times seven. I mean, there's so many other references to seven in the Bible. Now, some of them probably don't mean anything, you know, if... Uh, uh, if today was the 27th, it probably doesn't mean anything necessarily about seven. And there's sometimes in, in, in the Bible it doesn't mean anything. Oh, I forgot one. How about seven feasts? The Bible's seven feasts. All right? So then we are coming to the end, and we're about to see some of these seven patterns unfold before our eyes. Uh, it's not a time to be scared, folks. It's not a time to be fearful. Uh, the enemy is trying to use fear. The pandemic was trying to get us scared. Why? They want us to get us scared so that we can be controlled. God is outside of time. God is outside of the will of these uh, elites in our, in our world. They are plotting. Psalms 2 says they're plotting a vain thing. They're, they're enraged and they're plotting and they're scheming. 
and they're trying to do away with God in verse 3. But verse 4 of Psalms, it says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. He who sits in the heavens All right, God is not fearful. And if God is not fearful, let us not be fearful. That doesn't mean that we don't have a little trepidation here and there at times. I'm not saying that. But ultimately, the God of peace, let the God of peace rule your hearts. All right, in Christ Jesus. Let God, in these days, don't be so worried about what the news is saying. I'm a bit of a news junkie. I know there's some people who say I turn off the TV, I don't watch it, and I'm, I'm selective on the news. You've got to be selective on what you listen to, all right? Uh, uh, and even when I hear it, that doesn't mean that I'm fearful. Uh, it just means I'm informed. And I do believe there's a, this is a time that we should have some information about what's going on. Uh, but this book is the main thing that we're supposed to be looking to. This book... And it's full of seven. It's full of God's word. Therefore, all right, he's going to finish. Just as a a segue, the number of man is six. God's number is seven. Number eight is new beginnings. I don't have time to go into it all. Number nine is harvest. I believe we're in for a time of harvest. And ten is testing or trials. You get that in dreams. So back to Elijah, all right. Chapter 18, and he said to the servant, now, with that idea of the number seven, and this prophet is aware of the number seven, all right? Now read this with new eyes. And he said to his servant, go up now and look towards the sea. And so he went up and looked, and he says, there's nothing. How many times do we go to prayer and we don't get anything? Prophet knew that you have to be persistent. We have to be persistent in our prayers. All right? And then he said, go back seven times. Notice it doesn't say, keep going back. He said the specific God's number, and he expected something to happen on the seventh time. Isn't that something? That is amazing. And then on the seventh time, he says, Behold, a small cloud the size of a man's fist is coming up from the Mediterranean Sea. And he says, Well, here's the weather forecast. Heavy rain is in the forecast. You know, can you imagine being a weather person uh, on CNN or on global TV? All right, well, here's today's weather. No rain today. (laughs) Sunshine. Next day, no rain again today for three years. No rain, no rain, no rain, no rain. Oh, there's a little cloud. But we don't think it's going to amount to much. But, but God, but God, but God, all right? And um, so what does that all mean for us? Don't give up. Let's be persistent in prayer in 2023. Uh, if you're praying for yourself, for healing, Don't come once and then not come back for prayer. Keep coming for prayer at least seven times or more than seven times. All right? Keep believing God in prayer. If your family uh, are unsaved, keep praying. Don't give up praying. 
all right? Keep praying. Have faith. God is going to do something, all right? And that's, that's the message that I want to take away. Yes, uh, chapter 19, and so Elijah messed up and he failed. That just, to me, shows you that uh, he's just human like all the rest of us. How many times do we have a great victory and then we have a, we, we kind of mess up the next day or the next week or the next month, all right? Um, so what do we, what do we, what do you say? Keep coming for prayer. Keep coming to the altar for prayer. We're going to have a time for prayer. If you've been prayed for something and you, you, uh, you haven't received it yet, come again, come again, come again. Uh, don't give up. So we can summarize we have God is a creator. God has order. God has a plan. God is in control. God is all-knowing. God is all-power. God is omniscient. Uh, God knows us. God is our provider. God is our deliverer. God is our savior. He, God is our Lord. We can trust in him. He is a God of order. Because he's a God of order, they can uh, send satellites into space. They can put men on the moon and return them. Amazingly, they haven't done it since 69. What's up with that? Uh, they, 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 the whole universe has order to it because God is a God of order. That's what we can see here. Um, and we can trust in him, therefore we can lean on him. And so in 2023, God is with me, all right? He is with me in 2023. Come on. Glory to God. Wow. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come to, to church. We thank you for freedom here in this country. We ask, God, that you bless each person here. We bless your families, your extended families, your children, your grandchildren. Father, we pray in this year for salvation for our loved ones. We pray for financial breakthroughs, and we're going to keep coming forth. Well, here's another seven I just thought of. When, that, uh, when the enemy is robbed from you, God has, God has commanded that the enemy restore seven times or sevenfold. Isn't that something? number of completion. Well, I pray that this would be a helpful as we study the Bible, as we walk through the end times, that the God of creation that birthed this, this, uh, this world and this universe is the same God in control at the end and all the way through, all the way through. He is a faithful God. He is so faithful. You can trust him. I speak healing. I, I, right now, I, I just feel to pray for finances. If you are in a place where you are in desperate need of a breakthrough, or you're in a place that you could really use to be blessed, that probably would be everybody. Uh, I'm already standing. Why don't you stand if you need God to come through for you in a financial way? Maybe it's a legal battle that's dealing with finances. Maybe it's uh, 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 some type of uh, uh, court-contested thing. Just stand. And if you have a wallet, take it out, hold it. If you have a purse, hold your purse. 
if, if you don't have if you don't have your wallet, then put your put it put your hand in, take some money. All right. Interesting. All I pulled out was a five dollar, but that's okay. It's right. Notice we don't have seven dollar bills. At, at the end, at the end, what what's going to happen? It's going to be a seven year peace treaty. <laughs> All right, the seven just start rolling. It's like when I bought a Ford Mustang. I saw Mustangs everywhere after that. Anybody know when you buy a car, all of a sudden you see them everywhere? Once you start seeing something, you're going you're gonna to read, you're going to see seven all throughout the Bible whenever you're reading from now on. There are other significant numbers in the Bible, but that's the one we chose to look at today. So, Lord, I just pray now for financial blessings right now. I pray for a sevenfold return of what's been robbed from you. A sevenfold, if the enemy's taken finances through business collapse, business failure, through, uh, through uh, clients uh, that owe you money, uh, through people that you loan money to and it didn't come back, uh, or, or just that you're in a situation uh, that you're low on funds. You don't have money to pay rent or mortgage or car payments or, or, or the price of things are going up like gas and hydro and electricity, etc. that you're having a real struggle right now. God's economy is different than man's economy. And so I pray that you would have more money than month. Oh, hallelujah. I'm just letting the weightiness of this fall in this room. I pray that bank accounts will have money deposited supernaturally. We've seen it happen. On two occasions, people prayed this, and I went and I looked in my pocket, and I had money in my pocket, and I know I didn't have money before. On two occasions, one, one of them was with Dr. Russ, and one was with Daniel Soto and Barry years ago. Both times, both times, I had no money in my pocket. When I looked in my pocket, I had $100. Once was 250s. The other time with Daniel's was 520s. Both times I tried to buy books beforehand. I didn't have any money, so I knew I had no money in my pocket. God is able to supernaturally bless you. We, pay, we, we pray, oh God, that electric bills will be paid for supernaturally, that you'll get, you'll get a credit on your, on your payments, car payments will be paid, and you will pay off your vehicles in full, that somehow supernatural God will provide the gasoline you need, that God will provide jobs and promotions, as we read at the beginning of this uh, message. We pray for a financial breakthrough. Breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. Now, I'm going to ask you just for, for two minutes, because we're not done praying yet, to just join with a, your, your spouse or somebody getting groups of two or three or four people, and just, you don't even have to ask them what they need, just start asking God. The Bible says we're two or three to get together. Agree on anything, it shall be done. So just for two minutes, just get in group, just turn around, get in groups of two or three or four people, and begin to pray. Begin to pray. Begin to pray God's blessing. God's blessing. 
Lord, we pray blessings upon your finances. Blessings on your finances now in Jesus' name. Blessings. New clients, new customers. Shanda barakitara bakanda bakutara bakanda. Shanda dadadai shanda bababara bakanda bakitara bakanda. Inheritances. Glory to God. Debts paid and returned. Favor with banks. Favor with your employees. God bless you all. Glory, 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 glory. Praise God. Praise God. Just finish up here. I pray blessings on everybody watching as well. In Jesus' name. We pray increase in our children's ministry and our youth ministry, our young adult ministry. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I'm just going to pray now. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, just say this prayer after me. And if you're finished praying, just say it with me as well. Lord Jesus, today I know you're a blessing God. You died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead victorious. I choose today to follow this good God. I believe he rose. I believe he's coming again. Forgive me of my sins. Wash and cleanse me by your blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I trust you. Lead me to people to talk about you to them. Give me opportunity to share Jesus. This week, in the next seven days, that I can share Jesus and everybody said, Amen. 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 We hope you were encouraged by today's message. Come back later this week for a word from Pastor Tom Pavetta as he reminds us that all things are yours according to the word. We hope to see you soon.